You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, the two-hour Sunday edition. Games are about to get started. Uh, it's got the usual full Sunday slate, and actually got uh, even a doubleheader. we got Mariners, Royals, a little bonus baseball today, so a lot of stuff to check in. I think more so probably in the second hour of the show than the first. Uh, check in on some of those games in progress, but there's also a lot to look back on from yesterday, particularly in terms of pitching performances. To be honest, not a whole lot of standout hitting performances, but a few that we will check back on as well. And lots and lots and lots and lots of injury news. That's four lots. Uh, Catcher position in particular hit hard uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, Evan Gaddis is on the seven-day concussion DL. And Salvador Perez, just a, a short while ago, placed as expected on the 10-day DL with an intercostal strain, and he could miss up to about four weeks, uh, Sal Perez. So with Gaddis out indefinitely, Perez out for uh, probably about a month or so, uh, a lot of owners probably scrambling today to look for that replacement catcher. And uh, as I have talked about frequently on the show, Catcher's a tough position, uh, even in a one-catcher league, to, to find an adequate replacement. Uh, the quality drops off pretty quickly after the, uh, the top few catchers. So, uh, But uh, can certainly address that uh, a little bit later on in the show. But uh, also, let me mention Matt Holliday has gone on the disabled list with a back strain. Aaron Altair also on the disabled list with a hamstring strain. And uh, that's a situation where I think there's not going to be necessarily one player that really benefits from having that opening there because, uh, well, Daniel Nava has been playing a little bit more uh, back off the DL. Uh, you've got uh, Cameron Perkins, who was just recently called up. You've got uh, Kim recently uh, acquired from the Orioles. I think they could all kind of chip in and pitch in. Uh, to fill in for Aaron Altair. So he will certainly be missed in the Phillies lineup, and he will certainly be missed in your fantasy lineup. Uh, Felix Hernandez to the disabled list with biceps tendonitis. He will be replaced by Marco Gonzalez, who was actually supposed to start yesterday's game that got rained out. So he will pitch this afternoon, Marco Gonzalez, in his Mariners debut. Uh, More DL news yet. Kyle Freeland has gone to the disabled list with a groin strain. And uh, Antonio Sensatella and Tyler Chatwood are the leading candidates to replace him. Uh, the the Rockies have two days off this coming week. So I would say the likelihood would be that they go the four-man rotation, uh, but would still need to replace Freeland. So one of those two would be the uh, the likely candidates. Uh, no DL stint yet for Miguel Sano, but he is still dealing with some soreness and swelling in his left hand. So a lot of players who are either going on the DL or uh, that you need to check in on the next 24 hours or so uh, looking to your lineups for next week. Anyways, a lot more where this came from. Stick around. I'll be right back. Hey. 
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I am about to start this segment off in a very, very different way than I planned on just a couple of minutes ago because there is big news, news I did not see coming whatsoever. Uh, The Seattle Mariners have acquired Yonder Alonso, that's right, from the A's in exchange for Boog Powell. Not the barbecue guy, not the former Oriole. No, the Mariners, Boog Powell, of course. Wow. Wow. That's a big one. That's a big one. Uh, I mean, that's the, I think there have been a few very minor, uh, well, in fact, yeah, there have been a few minor deals, at least minor compared to this, uh, since the trade deadline. Of course, players have to go through waivers first. Um, We had the Sean Rodriguez deal within the last 24 hours, uh, going back to the Pirates, but uh yeah, this is a biggie. So Yonder Alonso uh, going to the uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, that would seem to be really bad news, uh, fancy wise for uh, Danny Valencia. But the Mariners have, you know, they've sort of struggled to fill that first base hole uh, all year uh, with a high level of productivity. So that should certainly help them there. So, all right, while I uh, collect myself here from that big and unexpected news, a few other uh, notes of uh, uh, worth mentioning here. Hanley Ramirez is out of the Red Sox lineup again today. He's been dealing with an oblique injury. I have not seen anything in terms of the likelihood of Kim going on the DL. Uh, So I think you add him to a growing list of players that you've got to track over uh, the next day or so as you start uh, thinking about your lineups for next week. Uh, so, uh, Avisel Garcia, in some good injury-related news, uh, could return as soon as Tuesday this week. Uh, he's been out uh, with the thumb injury, Avisel Garcia. So, good news there. Uh, I think that would probably impact Alan Hansen the most there. Um, maybe Larry Garcia a little bit, but... Uh, Anyways, very good news for Avisail Garcia. I uh, want to get back to the the catcher situation that I alluded to back uh, in the first segment because we've lost uh, this weekend a couple uh, of big name, big power hitting uh, catchers to the DL. Evan Gaddis on the seven day concussion DL, Salvador Perez on the ten day DL with an intercostal strain should be out for roughly a month. Uh, and as I said, once you get past those two, and uh, of course, uh, you know Gary Sanchez, J.T. Riomuto, Buster Posey. Uh, you know, you get past the elites. Uh, it's not a real big group, and then, uh, and of course, Wilson Contreras uh, have to absolutely include him in that group. Uh, once you get past that that uh, stratum, then it's it's. I wouldn't say it's slim pickings. I think that's probably demeaning the the catcher uh, core a little bit too much. But they're just 
there, there's, you know, there's certainly flaws. Uh, there's a lot of power that you can go after. And so if you've lost either of them, Perez or Gattis, you're going to want to replace some home run power. And you can do that with somebody like Wellington Castillo or Russell Martin, um, maybe Matt Wieters, although I, I have to say I don't really like him as much as either uh, Martin or Castillo. You could even maybe even go after James McCann, uh, who I was actually surprised to see, and I, I tweeted this out yesterday because I was so surprised to see it, that he's got a higher isolated power and a higher WOBA than the better-known catching McCann, Brian McCann. And the Tigers do have a seven-game schedule this week. They've got four against the Pirates at home and then another three at home against the Twins. So um, it's not uh, really a great week in terms of pitcher matchups. They're going to have to face Jose Barrios, Irvin Santana, Ivanova, Garrett Cole. But uh, James McCann's been surprisingly productive. Uh as the uh, Tigers catcher, and he's obviously been playing a lot more since the departure, and really even since before the departure of Alex Avila. So he's a name I'd add to the list. Manny Pena, uh, I think, is under-owned and underrated. And the um, the Brewers also have a seven-game schedule that really is pretty attractive, I think, from a pitching matchup's perspective. They have to face Irvin Santana tomorrow, but then after that, it's the Twins... Mejia, Cologne, and Gibson, and then the Reds, Bailey, Stevenson, and Romano. That's uh, uh, that's that's not bad. That's not bad. And actually, I say Stevenson. I'm not sure if that is still Stevenson. Maybe uh, Wojciechowski. But in any event, however you, you slice that one up, uh, some nice matchups there for, for Manny Pena. Uh, wouldn't go after either of the Braves catchers because they've been split in time more or less, and the Braves only have a five-game uh, five week next week. Uh, but you know, there's certainly some, some good, good, uh, options out there. Rangers are a little dicey too, by the way, if you're thinking Robinson Torino's only five games for them, I'm going to dig into that schedule stuff much more later on in the show, uh, doing kind of just an overall look ahead to week 19, but that's just a little bit of a preview, at least as it relates, uh, relates to catchers. I'll throw one more name out there that I really like Martin Maldonado. I like uh, his, his matchups for the coming week. And uh, the Angels also have a seven-game schedule. So some names to think about because I'm sure a number of you need a new catcher now. Uh, but let's get back to the injury news. A uh, few players being activated, so we'll make this a little more upbeat now. Uh, uh, Zach Cozart has been activated, and he is starting today at shortstop over Jose Peraza, who, by the way, has not stolen a base since June 20th. He has gone about a quarter of the season. It's a little less than a quarter because you've got to take a, a, a chunk of days out for all-star break there, but that's a large chunk of the season without a stolen base for somebody whose primary value in fantasy is stealing bases, Jose Peraza. So I would expect him to lose a lot of playing time going forward. Not so much because of the steals, but just because Zach Cozart's back. And that was kind of how that was trending before Cozart went on the DL with, with the quad injury, was that uh, you had Cozart and Scooter Jeanette manning the middle infield for the Reds with Peraza more often than not being the odd man out. Jason Kipnis has been activated. Uh, he is on the DL with hamstring injury. Uh, let's see. Indians lineup. Kipnis, yes, is batting leadoff, of course, at second base. No Austin Jackson, by the way, in the Indians lineup. Even Well, they're facing a righty, so I'm sure that that's a factor. You got uh, Abraham Almonte batting eighth and playing right. 
So there you go there. Uh, back to some good injury news. Dexter Fowler should be back with the Cardinals, activated in the lineup by either tomorrow or Tuesday. So that's uh, very good news. And in terms of the fallout from that, Randall Gritchick has just not been playing a lot lately. He is in the Cardinals starting lineup today uh, at uh, the Reds versus Homer Bailey. He's batting seventh, playing right field, so there's no Steve Piscotty today. But by and large, it's been Piscotty and Tommy Pham and then Jose Martinez uh, getting more playing time lately, actually, than Gritchick. But Gritchick going today. But I think both Martinez and Gritchick, uh, they're certainly going to be hurt playing time-wise, by the return of Dexter Fowler. And that's going to happen, most likely, within the next two days. Mark Trumbo is expected to be activated this week, but not until Wednesday. He's been on the DL with a rib cage strain. So I personally, outside of pretty deep leagues, would shy away from starting Trumbo since he'll not be back till Wednesday, it looks like. Travis Shaw's out of the Brewers lineup. He was hit in the neck by a throw yesterday. Uh, and uh, so he's out of the lineup, but uh, he's another one now to add to the list in terms of players. That doesn't seem like that would be that serious, but you know, if he's day to day till you know, let's say Wednesday or so, that's um, going to be difficult to uh, trust Travis Shaw next week. Aaron Perez, by the way, getting the start at third base. Perez hitting really well lately, so uh, Brewers certainly not hurting uh, there by. Uh, not hurting too much. Anyways, it definitely hurts to have Travis Shaw in the lineup, but they've got uh, somebody who's sitting well, Aaron Perez back in the lineup. Yasmani Grandal exited early on Saturday with back spasms. Uh, Chris Tillman has been moved to the bullpen by the Orioles. Uh, they will not need a replacement because they had been going very briefly with a six-man rotation since the acquisition of Jeremy Helkson. So it's basically a substitution of Helkson for Tillman, who has just really, really struggled this year. Uh, going into his walk year for the Orioles. So that's that's a tough one. Matt Joyce has been suspended uh, for two games for use of a gay slur uh, during a confrontation he had with a fan. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Braves have traded Sean Rodriguez to the Pirates for double-A prospect Connor Joe. Not Joe Connor. It turns out there was one of those when I did the, the little search for Connor Joe. There's uh, Connor Joe and then way back in the day. There was a Joe Connor. But this is... Uh, Connor Joe going the other way back to the Braves, who uh, you know had to build some some infield depth with the uh, long absence of Sean Rodriguez. Uh, although Rodriguez back much much earlier, back much earlier than expected uh, after that horrific uh, car accident that he had in the offseason. Anyhow, for now, that wraps up the news. But stick around; I'll be right back with some pitching analysis for you. Quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at RotoExperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount.
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I hope that this is not going to be a pattern for today. For the next two hours, last break, I came back. Yonder Alonso is traded to the Mariners. This break, I come back, and Domingo Santana is out of the game uh, against the Rays for the Brewers. Uh, was hit by a Chris Archer pitch in his right wrist. Um the flip side of that is that coming into the game is Travis Shaw, who I just talked about in the previous segment as being sort of questionable going into next week because of the neck contusion he sustained. Uh, so uh, Perez shifting into Santana's spot in left field and uh, therefore uh, Shaw playing at his customary spot over at third base. So uh, keep you updated if I get any further news on Domingo Santana. But boy, been a busy uh, 25 minutes here to uh, to kick off the show. Um, all right. Well, as promised, like I said, a lot of good pitching performances from Saturday. So this is going to be kind of a pitching heavy, pitching heavy show because uh, with all the good pitching, there weren't any really spectacular hitting performances to uh, to gape at and then to try to break down. Uh, but Certainly the standout of all standout performances yesterday was Danny Santana striking out 12 Yankees going seven deep, just giving up one run, four hits and three walks for him. So he is now three starts into his uh, post DL tenure, or I'm sorry, post uh, minor league tenure with the, uh, with the Indians since he's come back into the rotation. Uh, Salazar, has pitched 20 innings and given up only eight hits. And he has struck out 28 batters. That's, again, in 20 innings. He's also given up just three runs. So Danny Salazar's just been really, really good. Prior to this uh, most recent start on Saturday against the Yankees, Eno Saris wrote a piece for Fangraphs uh, about Salazar's first two starts since rejoining the, uh, the rotation and basically, one of the big takeaways there is that Salazar has been de-emphasizing the changeup, throwing it less, throwing the four-seamer a little bit more. That pattern continued into start number three. So there definitely seems to be some strong trending going on here for Danny Salazar. And I, I know he's been tough to trust. Uh, he's had just stretches of brilliance that unravel really quickly and really badly. But uh, at least for the time being now, it seems like we've got the very, very good version of Danny Salazar, and it coincides with a, a change in his arsenal. So uh, if he's out there at all in your leagues, uh, I think he's he's got to be owned, and he's got to be started. Jordan Montgomery uh, had a very nice start opposing Salazar and the Indians, and this could very well be his last start for the Yankees for a good long while. Uh, he went five innings, struck out seven, and didn't walk anybody. Only three hits, one run. Uh, but the Yankees is expected they're going to go back to a five-man rotation. They uh, expanded to six with the acquisitions of Jaime Garcia and Sonny Gray. And the very, very initial reports I saw were that if the Yankees were going to acquire Sonny Gray, that Garcia would go to the bullpen. And Garcia's first start with the Yankees was not an especially impressive one. Not, not as impressive as this one by Jordan Montgomery. But now the consensus seems to be that Montgomery's going to go to AAA. Um, he had been struggling a bit prior to this one. Uh, so 
I'm I'm not really sure where the skull goes, but if you're a Jordan Montgomery owner, as good as the start was, I think you do have to start looking for a replacement and and quickly. <laughs> but uh, the other oddity about this start from Montgomery is he was uh, only in there for uh, I think it was 65 pitches. Yes, yeah, 65 pitches for Montgomery. And the quote from Joe Girardi post game to MLB.com was that Montgomery did not have an innings limit. But bullpen strength is how we are built. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, this has a number of different ramifications. I mean, one is that, uh, you know, again, we may not see Montgomery take another turn in the Yankees rotation for a while unless there's a change of heart. Maybe if Jaime Garcia continues to struggle, maybe if there's an injury. But we, we, we can't count on Jordan Montgomery uh, for the, the coming week at minimum. Uh, but then the other takeaway is that if that's the way Girardi views the bullpen, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they they have uh, a great bullpen now uh, and a deep one that uh, you may not see a lot of the starters go very deep. And I, I you know, I don't know if that's going to even apply to Luis uh, Severino, who's been outstanding for the most part. Uh, but it's certainly something to watch this week, uh, the first full week since the trade deadline and kind of see how Girardi uh, sorts all this out. Uh, so there could be a lot of impacts there in the, in the Yankee rotation. Cole Hamels had a great start on uh, Sunday against the twins. He went the full nine innings, did not give up an earned run, but it was not a shutout. He gave up an unearned run on four hits and a walk, but only five strikeouts. And that has definitely been a trend for Hamels uh, over his last seven starts, which is the bulk of, of his work with the Rangers since he came back from the DL. Uh, that first start back was was pretty bad. But then the seventh start since then, Hamels has put up a 2.98 ERA and walked only eight batters in 48 and a third innings, but he's struck out only 37 batters. And again, that's 48 and one-thirds innings. And those those two rates, the walk rate and the strikeout rate, are very much connected because over... That seven-start stretch for Cole Hamels, batters have been swinging on his pitches at a much higher rate than they were earlier in the season. So um, that's certainly helping him get the swings and misses, but the swings and misses are not translating into a more typical strikeout rate for Hamels because he's had a very, very low called strike rate. Um, Batters are just not taking Cole Hamels' pitches lately. Uh, so he's been effective overall, but probably it's a situation where Hamels right now, this version of him, is having more value in the real world than in the fantasy world, where he is helping you with ERA, but he's not uh, not helping you at all, really, with strikeouts. Mike fulton had one of the more interesting and certainly eye-catching uh, starts on Sunday, or I'm sorry, Saturday. Uh, didn't quite hit uh, Salazar levels, but close, very close. He went six and a third and struck out 11 Marlins and did not walk anybody and just one run on four hits for fulton So really, really good start for him. I found kind of an interesting combination of stats for him and this start. But before I go into what that is, uh, I saw these trends and I thought, okay, I wonder what the, the general perception is of uh, Mike Fultonevich uh, after this start. 
Are, are you know, do people kind of see this coming? Do they think that this is, uh, you know, this is just Fultonevich breaking out? It seems like there's been three or four times this season where, you know, we could have said, oh, it looks like Mike Fultonevich is breaking out and he hasn't quite gotten there. But I, so I ran a poll and uh, wrote, Mike Fultonevich is six and a third innings, one run, 11 Ks versus Marlins on Saturday. Was this more about Fulte or more about the Marlins? And it was very closely split. 54% in favor of Fultonevich saying, let's give the pitcher credit. And 46% saying, let's give the matchup the credit. Uh, it's, it's all about the Marlins. And if I had not done the research I would have done, I would have been part of the 54%. Not that I've been blown away by what he's done. More so just I don't view the Marlins as really that great of a matchup for pitchers. Uh, you know, they're, they're not among the scarier ones, but you know, it's, it's a strong lineup overall. I mean, they, they've, uh, you know, they're, they're filling some holes due to injury right now. Justin Bohr, uh, you know, being the most notable absence from the lineup, but they still have a great outfield in Stanton, Ozuna and Yelich. Uh, you got JT Real Muto, one of the better hitting, uh, catchers around, uh, D Gordon, of course. So you know, it's uh, it, to me, it, it didn't just scream out, you know, hey, this is an easy matchup for, uh, you know, for the team that uh, that's out there uh, or the pitcher that's out there rather. But um, here's the deal. Here's the deal with Mike fulton In this particular start, he got swings on pitches that are outside of the strike zone at a 41% rate. That's really high. I mean, anything much above 30, like we're talking 33, 34%, that's really high. Uh, 41%. So Marlins were not being selective whatsoever in this game. And then combine that with the fact that they took pitches in the strike zone at a 46% rate. Now, that's the highest take rate of a called strike for fulton all season long. And that's chase rate for pitches out of the zone, the second highest in all of his starts. So that would certainly suggest it was the matchup. I mean, unless he just suddenly became a lot more deceptive overnight <laughs> before this start against the Marlins. That looks like fulton taking advantage of a really favorable matchup. And it turns out that despite my perception of the Marlins being not an easy matchup, that these are trends that have kind of followed them all season. They're among the worst one-third of all teams in the major leagues in terms of uh, laying off pitches that are strikes and going after pitches that are balls. Not very good in either of those regards. So if you're about to go all Gaga over Mike fulton I would think twice about that. Um, so just putting a little bit of context there in terms of those, uh, those poll results. All right, but we got uh, more, more, more pitching to come. Like I said, big day for big pitching results. Zach Davies, Alex Cobb pitching against each other. Paul Blackburn, Tyler Skaggs returning. Actually, not such a good start for Skaggs, but we're going to break all those down right after this break. In 
2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turn fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, uh, yeah, there's been another development, much more minor one, though, so don't uh, get too worried. Uh, during this break, I will get to it. But uh, you also do need to know first that you can take the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network with you wherever you go. All you got to do is download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata while you're on the treadmill. You can hear Benny Riccardi in the car or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. You just need to get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. And this breaks development. Uh, Jerry Depoto having a very busy day. First, he goes out and gets Yonder Alonso from the A's in exchange for Boog Powell. And in a lower key trade with the Rays, he's acquired right-handed reliever Ryan Garten as well as uh, catcher Mike Marjama. And in exchange, going the other way to the Rays, lefty Anthony Mizluich. I'm almost positive I mispronounced that, and I apologize for that. Uh, And infielder Luis Rangifo, and a player to be named later. Uh, So I think I completely whiffed on those prospects going to the Rays. Anyhow, uh, Ryan Garten uh, going to the Mariners' bullpen, I would assume. I'm not sure if he's reporting to Seattle or or to Triple A Tacoma, but uh, building some depth. And anyhow, which is something the Mariners have been really trying to do ever since the off season. Uh, and it's really been a, been a work in, in progress. So uh, no update yet on the condition of Domingo Santana, but I'll be checking in on that one to be sure. Well, let me get back to some of these uh, pitchers who had notable performances for the most part, really good ones on Saturday, Zach Davies and Alex Cobb squared off in a pitcher's duel. There were quite a few of those, which is why I'm, again, going to be talking a lot about pitchers, more so than hitters in this review of yesterday's performances. Uh, both good ones, though. And we've talked a lot on this show. Uh, when I say we, myself, and my various guests uh, have talked on this show a lot about Cobb recently. I've been been a big skeptic of Cobb. Uh, last time out prior to Saturday was pretty disastrous, but he bounced right back against the Brewers going uh, six innings with six strikeouts. That's always nice to see from Cobb. Just five hits and a walk, just one run. And this is kind of an interesting part. I'm not sure it signifies anything at all, but both Cobb and Davies, I mean, they've they've profiled similarly. I mean, they both have been going very well of late. Um, Neither one's been a big strikeout pitcher. Davies in particular, you wouldn't really expect that. Um, and certainly they have not been getting 
a lot of swings and misses. They've been relying more on the called strike to get the strikeouts that they do get. Uh, Cobb in this one going up against a Brewers team that's not very selective, strikes out a ton. He got five swings and misses. Uh, I'm sorry, let me let me correct that. Four swings and misses, even fewer for Alex Cobb. Zach Davies, like I said, similar successful run, uh, similar profile statistically, and similar type of opponent, a raised team that is very aggressive, swings and misses a lot. He got five whiffs. <laughs> so two pitchers who did really well is by the fact that they failed to take advantage of their opponent's uh, arguably their biggest weakness. Because you know these are teams also the, the Rays of the Brewers that that could you know hit for a lot of power. They could swing the bats. The, the Rays have certainly struggled in recent weeks, but uh, still a lot of dangerous bats in that uh, Rays lineup. And they did okay despite the fact that they didn't really miss a whole lot of bats either one of them, Cobb or, or Davies. So for Cobb, this has been a like I said, aside from the last start, which was terrible. Even with that start, over his last eleven games started. Alex Cobb has a 3.07 ERA. However, and again, in prior analyses, I have brought up these trends. So this is not a new thing for Alex Cobb. Over these 11 starts, a 232 BABIP, but a 38% hard contact rate. And it's worth pairing those things because I've talked about a lot of pitchers in recent weeks recent days, and, and really over the course of the season. Andrew Kashner has been a constant topic of discussion on this show. More recently, Jose Urania. I talked a little bit about Gio Gonzalez. All pitchers who have benefited from very low BABIPs, but they've they've been able to achieve that, at least in part, either by inducing a whole lot of soft contact or getting uh, uh, you know, pulled ground balls or you know one thing or another where they've it, it looks like they could just be legitimately very good at getting outs on balls in play. Not so with Alex Cobb. A whopping, and it is a whopping, 38% hard contact rate over an 11-start stretch that has produced a 3.07 ERA. So I remain every bit as skeptical, despite a very, very good start against the Brewers on Saturday. Now let's move on to Davies, who did not get the strikeouts like Cobb did. Uh, only two strikeouts in seven innings, but Davies did not allow a run and only gave up one hit. So an extraordinary outing that he did in in the Zach Davies way, which is getting a lot of soft contact, a lot of outs on uh, on balls in play. Um, like I said, only five swings and misses, 19 called strikes, though. That's really been the MO for Davies start after start after start. Over his last eight starts, he has a 2.38 ERA, so even better than Cobb, although for not quite as long of a period. 23% hard contact rate, which is, is impressive in a positive way, as Cobb's 38% hard contact rate is impressive in a negative way. And that 23% hard contact rate has translated for Davies into a, a 0.089 isolated power ratio, which is really good when you consider that an average one is probably around like 130-ish, 130, 135 maybe. Um you know, certainly anything that's verging towards 200 means that's a lot of power. If it's a hitter, that's a good ratio. If it's a pitcher, that means you're giving up way too many extra base hits. So we're saying, okay, 130-ish is average. Anything hovering just over 100 is very good. And over eight starts, Zach Davies 
ISO is 089. So he has legitimately been very good now for a, a pretty extended period at getting batters to make soft contact. It's not it's sort of like what I was saying about Cole Hamels in the last segment. Um, it's not nearly as exciting for fantasy owners. He's not reliable for strikeouts at all, Zach Davies. But if you need ERA help, he could be pretty reliable. Uh, and also because he is a pitch-to-contact guy. One of the, the kind of the flip sides of this, and this is really much more relevant for points leagues owners, uh, you know, most points leagues, you get some value out of just innings pitched. And Davies, you know, the, and pitchers like him that allow a lot of contact. The, the plate appearances go very quickly. The outings are very efficient and long. And uh, so that's a potential benefit from Davies, who ironically earlier in the season couldn't seem to pitch more than five innings in any given start. Uh, but now that he's gotten more of a groove, he's got that kind of points league appeal to him. Uh, same thing you could certainly say in an even more extreme case for Paul Blackburn, who succeeded yet again, despite an utter lack of strikeouts. Now he had the Angels. So, I mean, you could have maybe had a pool or something and say, you know, is is Paul Blackburn, how many innings is Blackburn going to go and not get a strikeout in this game? You've got a, a team that doesn't strike out very much, uh, doesn't hit for much power either. So the result here that you got from Blackburn was was almost sort of predictable. He did not allow a run over six and two-thirds innings, gave up just five hits, did not walk a batter, but he just got one strikeout. Uh, so that's a very much a quintessential Paul Blackburn kind of start. And I actually did start him in a points league this week. Um, I liked liked the matchups a lot. And uh, you know he certainly did, like I said, did what you could expect against the Angels, which is a guy who doesn't get strikeouts against a team that doesn't strike out to get one strikeout, but to go deep and not allow any runs. Um, the first start this week uh, for, um, uh, I'm sorry, for Blackburn. I'm looking up because I had trouble remembering. I knew it was a really good matchup, and indeed it was. It was the Giants. So um, it's you know, probably the only week of the season that I would bother to start Paul Blackburn. I'm going to ditch him in that league and fill that spot with uh, hopefully another two-star pitcher. But, um, you know, there is that that sort of limited appeal for Paul Blackburn. And then starting against the A's for the Angels in his return from the DL, Tyler Skaggs did not go very well. Uh, only four innings, gave up three runs on six hits and two walks, three strikeouts. But Skaggs, uh, not his best control yesterday. Um, but I do like the strikeout potential for Skaggs, but uh, you know he's been injury prone. He's uh, gone through several different phases of his career, um, some you know better than others. Uh, but I think he's he's worth another shot. If you picked him up, uh, maybe you sit him this week, you stash him if you can. But I, I don't think you, you drop him just based on on this one start uh, for Tyler Skaggs. And uh, didn't have a show yesterday, so didn't have a chance to uh, take a, a deep dive on Troy Scribner's uh, debut in the uh, Angels rotation. That also did not go especially well either. But I'm, I'm intrigued by him as well, so... Uh, he's more of a, I'd say, even a deeper league option, though, than, than Tyler Skaggs is. So that, uh, for now, puts a bow on the review of standout pitching performances from Saturday. 
But uh, we'll check in on what's going on Sunday. Lots of games underway right now. So going to head for a, a short break and come back and take a look at what's going around the major leagues. So be right back. Once upon a time, I drank a little wine and I was happy as I could be. Yet too much wine led me to becoming a single man and tripping over the dog. So I put down the bottle and turned on the radio and found Fantasy Sports Network Radio, where they take average human beings and make them kings. With the mentoring of host Scott Engel and FSWA Fantasy Sports Hall of Famer, I too can become friends with Brett Gardner, David Wright, Jonathan Papelbon, and have several unnamed team sources at a beck and call. They already have a king, but stay tuned if you would like to become a prince emperor or dictator you're listening to fantasy sports network radio home of the king scott engel welcome back you are listening to fan rag fantasy baseball i'm your host Al Melchior, and uh, just been taking a little bit of a look at the weather for some of the later games. So you got those uh, rolling daily lineups to uh, contend with. Looks like you're pretty safe. Uh, and actually see a note here on Roto Grinders uh, weather page, which is where I always get this information. Uh, Roto Grinders and Kevin Roth. And the wind is blowing out at Wiggly. Er, Wiggly. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, Wrigley Field this afternoon. Uh, there is an increasing chance of precipitation as the game goes on, but uh, looks like that one should be good. Looks like you shouldn't uh, worry too much about the starters in that one. That's uh, Eric Fetty and John Lester. But the wind blowing out, that could be a good good game for the uh, hitters involved. Uh, but as promised, I will uh, walk you through some of the uh, games in progress and uh, talk a little bit before about the Marlins and the uh, the matchup problems that they present for themselves against uh, at least certain pitchers, not being very selective, uh, not really controlling the strike zone very well. Uh, well, they're in control very early on after one inning in Atlanta today. They've got a 4 nothing lead on the Braves, and I mentioned all the, the good bats that are in the lineup, even if they aren't always the most selective ones. And no Stanton home run yet, but um, we do have uh, home runs from Marcel Ozuna, a three-run homer, and JT Realmuto, a solo shot. That accounts for the Marlins for runs. Uh, those home runs off of Luke Sims, who I'm calling Luke Sims for the first time because I always thought it was Lucas Sims, and then I saw it come up as Luke Sims. So maybe this is one of these uh, you know, Nicholas Castellanos-type situations where the players expressed a preference for uh, a different uh, first name. So Luke Sims already uh, allowing... Four runs on two homers in the first inning. Sims is very fly ball centric. Uh, so that's not always going to play well at uh, SunTrust Park. Uh, the Rays, who just made that minor trade with the Mariners, they're up one nothing after uh, or in the bottom of the third, excuse me, against the Brewers. Uh, the Indians have a one nothing lead on the Yankees at the top of the fourth. And we got a slugfest in Cincinnati. Four runs for the Cardinals, three for the Reds. The three Reds runs all on a Joey Botto home run in the bottom of the first. So that's four to three in the bottom of the second inning right now in Cincinnati. 
White Sox and Red Sox tied up two piece uh, top of the second. Orioles have just jumped out. I think literally just jumped out to a four nothing lead uh, against the Tigers because uh, over break when I was looking at that one. I don't think there was any score there. So let me update you real quick and see uh, how the Orioles got on the board in that one. Oh, three home runs already off of Anibal Sanchez, Jonathan Scope, Chris Davis, and Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini, excuse me. Uh, back to back to back. Wow. Against Anibal Sanchez. So uh, a lot of hitting so far early on. And again, that weather forecast holds true for Wrigley Field. Maybe more hitting in that Nats-Cubs uh, game as well. So I will certainly be checking back in uh, more often on that as we move into our number two. And uh, I also, by the way, have an updated A's, or, uh, yes, updated A's lineup. Uh, obviously, now, no Yonder Alonso. So uh, Ryan Healy has moved from DH to first base. Chris Davis uh, becoming the DH, uh, moving from left field. And Mark Canna, he gets the lineup spot uh, vacated by Alonzo. He's batting ninth and playing left field. So in case you missed it earlier in the show, Yonder Alonzo traded to the Mariners for outfielder Book Powell. So time to wrap up this hour. But when we come back, uh, take a look at some of the more notable hitting performances from Saturday, and then take a look ahead to Week 19. Can you believe it? Look at the schedules, the two-star pitchers, and checking in on a more in-game action. So stick around. Be right back. <laughs> 